get straight into our conversation then. Uh, and let me welcome onto the show uh, somebody who is one of the founding members of the UDF, Reverend Frank Chikane. Reverend Chikane, good morning to you. Thank you so much for making time to speak with us this morning. Good morning and good morning to your listeners. Also part of the conversation, Professor Brian Nagedi, who is a coordinator of the Free State Chapter of the UDF, at least for their 40th celebrations. Uh, Professor Nagedi, good morning to you. Thanks for your time. Uh, good morning, Mrs. Kathy, and good morning to Reverend Chikani. Reverend? Uh, good morning, Prof. Thank you, thank you, Ref. Reverend Chikane, I want to begin with you and um, sort of just reflect back um, to why we're even having this conversation today, marking 40 years of the UDF, and also bearing in mind that we're speaking to a generation that would have lived through the years of, of activism of the UDF, and also a generation that might not know who and what the UDF is and the contribution or even the role that they played. You are considered to be one of the people that played a critical role in the formation of the UDF. In fact, if, if I'm not mistaken, you are one of the major speakers at the launch of the UDF. Talk to us about this, for, about this organization and why it was so pivotal in its day. No, thank you very much, Cathy. I'm, I must say it's difficult because it's an old, uh, it's, it's a long time that the UDF was launched and uh, um, ended in 1990 around. But let me just say that the struggle in South Africa was waged over a number of centuries. But in the 80s, it reached a stage where um, everyone was ready to take on the system, but you need to be organized. And some of those who were with us during that time will remember our struggle was based on, on, on four pillars. You know, it was the armed struggle that people know underground and international. Uh, what was critical was the mass mobilization pillar, which was the fourth pillar. And uh, what happened in 77, as you know, organizations were banned and, and we went on the ground, organized community to community, sector by sector, professional organization by professional organization. And by the time the UDF was launched, which was triggered by you know, the apartheid system trying to formalize the apartheid structures um, about, you know, the Indian colored African and whites, etc. And then we decided this was the moment to strike. And we convened uh, the, all the structures which were existing at that time to form the United Democratic Front. And we agreed on the principles we actually used the Indian Congress uh, in Johannesburg to get all the activists in one room. And after the launch of the Indian Congress, we then held a meeting in the night, agreed on the principles, 
uh, of how we're going to mobilize every party, every organization in the country. And that was the basis on which we launched the United Democratic Front. Now, it's very important to understand this because- Reverend Chikani, uh, apologies for interjecting there. I am getting a, a bit of disturbance on that line to you. Uh, I, I'm not quite sure what it is, but uh, unfortunately it is quite distracting. Uh, I'm going to ask you just to, to hold that thought for me. And um, I'm, I'm going to ask Lebo to try and, and see if we can't get a, a clearer line with Reverend Chikani. In the meantime, I'll continue the conversation with um, Professor Nagedi, who's also uh, part of this conversation. Uh, Professor Nagedi, you know, j- just based on what Reverend Chikani has said so far, the the power of the UDF seemed to lie just in the sheer ability to organize um, people from different parts of the population or and, and, and structures from different parts of the of the population. What do you think made that possible? See the the United Democratic Front uh, based its principles on non-racialism and non-sexism. And that spoke to the aspirations of all South Africans who really were on a mode against apartheid. So the, the United Democratic Front was able to reach out to all South Africans across the board, irrespective of uh, other backgrounds that have been constructed in terms of race and ethnic and so on. So, but beyond that, what was important was that uh, leaders like uh, Reverend Frenchikani were able to really uh, master this in terms of ensuring that we from the structures on the ground, like here in the Free State, Mangawung, Machaving and so on, were able to really uh, uh, rally behind this, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, if you like, agenda of liberating South Africans. So you, you could really view the UDF as a center of a will uh, of a bicycle that connects all the spokes, you know, and giving direction and the, the momentum for the will to, to roll. And it was a front that really was necessary to unite all South Africans at home who really, you know, uh, had a pain of their own uh, siblings and families having left the country and so on and uh, others being in prison. So really, it was not really a, a, a very easy moment. It was difficult, but the UDF, with all its, uh, you know, principles that did not discriminate against any uh, uh, in terms of uh, uh, religion and other cultural and political attributes, were able to rally us around on the basis of non-racialism and non-sexism against apartheid. Mm. It's like, yeah. thanks, thanks for that, Prof. Uh, Reverend, I understand that you're back on the line, and we may have you on on at least a, a clear a clearer line. Good morning again. No, good morning again. Let let me just complete that, uh, what I was saying. Sure, go ahead. Um, we were able to bring together all these organizations countrywide. And, and within a year or two, I mean, we had reached a stage where we organized community by community until to street committees. 
And there's a time, for instance, in Soweto where somebody said, you know, there's no crime now in Soweto because we are organized street by street. And I knew when I came back from work as to who went through into the street where my house was. And if there was a car that slowed down next to my house, we will know and they will have number plates. I mean, it's, it's the level to which uh, we organized until the security police lost control completely, didn't know what's happening because they didn't have capacity to cover the whole country. By the time they charged us for high treason, they relied on tapes rather than on intelligence. And I think that's the level to which the, the UDF was organized and people were able to express their views and determine their future. And, and, and that brought our freedom much more faster after the United Democratic Front was launched. Reverend Tikani, what does it take to have that level of organization, that level of commitment um, to, to, to a cause? Um, because I'm just thinking about you know, trying to do what the UDF did from its launch in 1983 to 1990, trying to do that in 2023? Yeah, it, it requires commitment. But I think the reality is that apartheid had caused so much pain amongst our people. No one actually missed it. And they were ready to be organized to resist that apartheid system. I think what is missing at the present moment is that everybody is looking at their own interest rather than collective action to make sure that we determine what our future looks like. Uh, to speak about today, for instance, I mean, younger people who are very young, by the way, I mean, we're in our 20s. Remember that most of us went to detention at that age. Some were bent at 18 years old. Uh, Biko died at 31, Mapeta at 27. So we, we were young. And uh, what is required is for people to take seriously their rights, particularly the poor who will then organize themselves to make sure their rights are guaranteed. And those, of course, who are privileged think they can survive without worrying about what's happening in the country. I think that's what is missing. It's, it's the determination to end the pain that people were experiencing at that time. There was an issue, Professor Nagedi, that you brought up, and it's the umbrella that you believe was able to, which enabled rather the UDF to reach across society. Um, and this is around values of non-racialism and non-sexism. When you think about how all of these organizations came together then, and you look at where we are in South Africa today, where we very much seem to be defined by race, seem to be defined by gender, do you think that we, we've taken a, a couple of steps back? What we have uh, embarked upon uh, during the democratic dispensation, uh, it's a process of transformation uh, that is complex. 
the important uh, element here is coherence, which we lack. And part of the problem why we lack coherence in what we are doing, it is because uh, we've got weak structures within the communities. Uh, so if the structures are weak, we are unable to really protect, uh, promote, defend, and ensure that we implement uh, uh, the human rights values that are enshrined in our constitution, uh, which is a constitutional uh, democratic, uh, you know, uh, uh, document. So, so those gaps of uh, structural uh, uh, looseness, uh, you know, that drive us towards a, a point where we become singular in how we deal with issues, and uh, at times. And uh, the way we approach, uh, uh, you know, uh, governance, we, we uh, unintentionally alienate uh, 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 the communities across the board. And this is an issue that as we celebrate the UDF 40, we need to really go back and fortify our structures within our communities, focusing on uh, issues that affect women, the youth and children, so that we really begin to enliven the spirit of human rights amongst uh, a democratic South Africa, so that uh, we can put pressure directly and indirectly to those that we elect so they can stay on course. It's interesting that, that you should say that, Professor Nakedi, and I know that uh, we only have Reverend Chikan for a short time, so I'm going to put this question to him first and, and I'll come back to you. The UDF coming together and sort of marking this this 40 years seems to be to suggest that there, there's a need um, for what the organization did pre-democracy um, to sort of almost be repeated post-democracy, even though obviously the issues that, um, you know, that the UDF will be speaking about or even trying to raise awareness of, that those issues could very much be very different issues. Is that why we are seeing um, this re-emergence of, of the UDF and the alumni of, of the UDF, Reverend Chikani? Let me say firstly, I mean, it's just that it's 40th anniversary and uh, we thought it is critical to commemorate, celebrate that moment in history. But of course, it happens within a particular context in which, at which South Africa is at the present moment. And we deliberated about those matters. We have produced documents and we talk about, you know, the issue about um, uh, citizens' ac activity, it means active citizenry, which was what uh, the UDF was about. And we believe that it is important to get back the values of the UDF, which the professor is talking about, non-racialism. We are, we are fragmented now. People are reverting back to the racist way of thinking, and I mean, you just have to take the Ukraine thing and you see how the country gets divided around those matters and other issues. And uh, you can also see that there are communities that are feeling desperate. They don't know how to deal with the issues that face them, um, are dysfunctional municipalities. And what we are saying is that 
there are lessons to learn from the UDF in terms of active citizenship. It means people taking responsibility for their lives and determining what happens. And because we now have an elected government that those people should be able to say to the government, this is what we want, this must happen. And, and if there are corrupt people amongst them, the people would deal with that and say, we're not going to allow corruption in our community, in our municipality, you know, that type of approach. There's something to learn about from the United Democratic Front methodology and approach, which can be used today. And we are hoping that as we celebrate uh, province by province and in August, on August the 20th, the national celebration, those ethos, those methods, those approaches, the thinking, the philosophy will be brought back to the people of South Africa to be able to act uh, accordingly to fix our country. I mean, we need to take responsibility. We shouldn't complain. Uh, we should organize ourselves to make sure that nobody takes us for granted. Uh, I'm going to take liberties here, uh, Reverend Chikan, if if you'll allow me, because I think that the the example you give is quite an interesting one, where you talk about moving from values of the UDF and then using sort of the example of of Ukraine and and uh, Russian Ukraine and how divided South Africa is on that issue do you is is there a scenario in which how south africans are responding to it would be different um if we were coming from perhaps the same or a shared value system yeah i think we failed to develop uh shared value systems um we tried our best. I mean, I was part of the initial government. We talked about social cohesion, trying to get all South Africans um, think together on issues, learn from each other. You will remember at one stage with uh, President Becky, we had meetings with the African leadership, the business people, uh, to make sure that we can integrate this country together. But obviously, I mean, as time went by, people relaxed and um, I just use Ukraine. I don't want us to talk Ukraine, <clears throat> but you can see that Ukraine divides the world between the West and others. And it takes us back to the old way of thinking when in fact, we should not be talking about West and others. We should be talking about the people of the world living together in peace. I think that's really the issue. And in South Africa, it's the same. When things become tough, people tend to go back to their cocoons. And what we need to say is there's only one South Africa and there's only one nation and that we must begin to think together to find solutions to our problems. All right, we'll continue the conversation in a moment uh, with Professor Brian Nagedi. Uh, Reverend Frank Chikano has to leave at this point. Thank you uh, for your time this morning. We'll take the 1030 News headlines and continue uh, our reflections on 40 years of the UDF with Professor Nagedi. Kathy on SAFM. 
We're reflecting on 40 years of the UDF this morning. Uh, you would have heard um, Reverend Frank Chikani, part of our initial half of this conversation. Uh, Professor Brian Nagedi is still on the line. He's coordinator of the Free, Free State chapter of, of the UDF. And, um, you know, Professor Nagedi, I want to go back to this idea of, of shared value and what, shared, what a shared value system looks like potentially at least for South Africa today how can we have a, a shared value system so what what really we need to inculcate it's a culture of uh, patriotism amongst uh, ourselves as South Africans and ensure that that patriotism cascades down from the national to the local communities so we can begin to be protectors of our own communities and begin to uh, you know uh, mutually promote uh, 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 you know issues that are relevant to the developmental agenda for our communities we have uh, as a as, as a government adopted you know uh, very uh, invaluable principles such as uh, but to Bailey, for an example, in governance, both uh, 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 to Ubuntu principles and so on. Uh, Reverend Chikane has spoken about social cohesion and nation building. And those can only be built successfully if we start, uh, you know, at a formative level of development of, of our kids. Uh, to what extent do we really ensure that these values are transmitted at schools? Uh, what is it that our SGBs, uh, school governing bodies, understand about these values as they assume the responsibility of running very important centers of learning and so on? So uh, 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 the learners can relate to these issues. You know, for an example, he, he, the Reverend made a point that uh, uh, very young people were involved from the beginning. Uh, Solomon Afangu, when he died, he was in his early 20s. Dr. Peterson, uh, you know, was very 16, uh, so was uh, Aston and Grove from Soweto. And if we can relate uh, uh, as we celebrate the UDF 40 to those sacrifices, it will really uh, lay the path for us to be able to appreciate our own uh, sense of history, our footprints, so we can now begin to uh, celebrate such uh, past in a sense that gives us direction towards ensuring that the values of Batupeli, you know, Botu uh, Ubuntu are really uh, transmitted into our communities and then they grow with those values because uh, it is important that we prioritize the young people as mm. much as we must prioritize women across the board, yes. The, the juxtaposition there for me is that we have today young people in this country who by and large feel that they're not part of the system, right? Um, yeah. That effectively they've been closed off from opportunities, they've been closed off from having a, a voice at the table. And yet that situation was pretty much the same for you and others who were part of the UDF at the time. You're very much marginalized young people. How do we get um, the, the sense of agency, 
the sense of there is something that you can do, um, actively do about your condition um, to, to, to resonate, I suppose, you know, among young people today. You see, the sense of responsibility begins with involvement during your formative years with issues that are really developmental in many ways, not only in terms of infrastructural development that you see, but also in terms of values. You know, for an example, we are a society that is uh, uh, highly cultural uh, in many respects, including religion, you know, and so on. Uh, during our time, you know, we would attend to all these student Christian movement and so on, uh, and structures that were emerging within our communities. We would be working with the elders to try and uh, develop a, a sense of direction so that we could all move together with them. So it has been an intergenerational kind of project uh, uh, where we are arrived at today. Uh, the difference today is that, uh, you know, there is no much intergenerational connectivity that is most needed to really uh, ensure that we do not walk away with, with the history and skills and experience and wisdom but we, we really share all these acquired you know, uh, values within the society with those who come after us. Now, the problem is here. The problematic is that uh, today uh, uh, the youth is not as challenged as we were at the time, which is a good uh, you know, uh, 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 environment. However, what, what we do not do is to really uh, uh, delegate more responsibilities to young people so they can grow understanding this type of issues of accountability, active citizenry, responsibility, and so on. Uh, but what we sometimes tend to do today, we think that throwing money at most of the problems will create agency. No, it doesn't. Agency begins with involvement that it is self-propelled but also in the interest of community development. And at a later stage, uh, that blossom into the treasure of the world, you know, of humanity, of the nation, and so on. So we need to really revisit uh, some of uh, uh, our own action plans so we can align them with, uh, you know, the timeframes that we envisage uh, to be able to measure whether we are going forward or not. I think what you what you're saying there is is so important, Professor Nagedi. Um, one aspect around the the need for this intergenerational dialogue, inter, intergenerational networks um, to to be sustained. Uh, but I think also just the fact that in order to truly get people involved, it's not something that you start. You know, when um, when an individual is sort of close on thirty. It's something that has to be inculcated from a very young age where you have to sort of teach people why it is that, that they have to care. And, and perhaps those are some of the areas where um, the, the gaps have been allowed uh, to, to, to just develop. 
I'm going to take a quick break. When we come back, I'll also be taking some of your calls on this conversation. I'd also love to hear from the people that were part of uh, the UDF who are going to be part of these um, uh, celebrations of 40 years. From Kayalicha to Musina, our money crisscrosses the country, connecting communities. Now our banknotes and coin look a little different with upgraded security features and new designs celebrating our heritage. But don't worry, your trusted rands with the new designs and the older ones are still worth the same. So go on, use both with confidence. Our money, our pride. SA Reserve Bank, connecting us. Guess who's back? Yes, Roughing It Out is back for Season 7 on SABC2. Whether you're in it for the mountains, the rivers, the animals, the awesome presenters, or the determined kids, you think you can handle all of the action, the adrenaline, the drama, the suspense. And if you want to rough it out too, then join us every Wednesday afternoon at 4pm on SABC2. SABC Education. Enriching minds, enriching lives. Nobody has time for colds this winter, so take Immune Immune Booster when you feel it coming. Immune effervescent tablets is a combination of traditional Chinese herbs, vitamins, minerals, and amino acids for proper immune function. Immune also supports the relief of symptoms associated with colds and upper respiratory tract infections. This immune booster comes in a tablet that dissolves in water, creating a glass of bubbly pink liquid topped with herbal foam goodness. Feel better soon with Immune. Visit www.immune.co.za. Hashtag SAFM Talking Point. We're in conversation with Professor Brian Nagedi. Uh, he's a coordinator of the Free State Chapter of the UDF 40th Celebrations. We're marking uh, 40 years of the UDF and really asking, you know, important questions. I think there have been insights that have been shared here around the role and, 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 and the role that uh, a structure like the UDF played and the need uh, perhaps for you know, a, a modern-day type UDF, an organization that uh, can help unite people, at least on a large scale. What are some of the values? Um, Reverend Chikani earlier spoke about methodologies that the UDF used that ca- could be useful today in building links in communities, right, in building active citizenship, which is really what we need. John, you're calling us from the Eastern Cape. Good morning. Yes, thank you, Kathy. Uh, I was very much around at the time uh, that the UDM was very active, pre-94. You're probably too young to have experienced it, Cathy. Um, And I applaud what the the UDF achieved in 1994, but I'm afraid I don't think there's much to celebrate now. Um, We are 23 years on, and I think it should be a commiseration at how badly things have worked out. And that, in fact, very little of uh, what the, the South Africa that the UDF uh, visualized has, in fact, materialized. And you referred to two sh- uh, shared values earlier. You referred to non-racism. Uh, I think I heard you correctly. And you referred to non-sexism. I think it was non-racialism, which is something very different from non-racism. And I'd like to know what... Uh, the professor's take is on what that non-racialism uh, was, as envisaged by the UDF, 
and uh, how things have worked out. Because as I see it, rationalism is as much alive now as it was back then. And 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 sexism as well, John. It will very I'm much. I'm not going to sexism. I'm I'm concentrating on the first part. Yes, fair enough. Time. Fair enough. I'm I'm I'm, yeah. I'm 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 sort of adding to your point. You know. No, I, thank you, Kathy. <laughs> but I don't want to be deviated from. Oh, uh, okay. From all right. All right, John. All right, John. Professor thank Nagedi, you. let me give you a chance to respond. You see, John, uh, non-racialism. It's a very fundamental project that uh, is associated with human development. If you consider where we're coming from, uh, we will agree uh, that uh, a race was a constructed form of identity, which goes with a lot of things, you know, uh, such as slavery and so on. And it is really uh, 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 very much at the center of uh, economic and political power. And we see how race has been used historically, uh, you know, whether it's about, uh, uh, you know, how the Jewish people were treated uh, or whether it's about how uh, black people in South Africa were treated, or whether it's about how uh, Palestinians are treated or people of Arabic descent. Uh, so this is a vicious cycle whereby we kind of uh, affiliate to what really suits us within the racial construct. The non-racial approach uh, suggests that we do not recognize race as a form of identity because it's falsified in terms of its historical uh, uh, determination. We would rather want to emphasize the humanness of, of our, our, our origin. And from there on, move on to ensuring that we've, we have shared values that speak to all of our, our ambitions as, as societies, whether developed or developing. So, so race really is not something that is original. It has been constructed as a, as a form of prejudice and discrimination so that some people could benefit. Now, going forward, in terms of the UDF values, we would want to see all of us, black and white, pink and yellow and so on, uh, really discarding this kind of culture, which uh, in many respects at times, it doesn't really become as overt, but you can really feel it in its prejudicial terms more in terms of how we relate. For an example, in this country, we have the financial sector that could be seen uh, or perceived to be really serving one section of the uh, society as opposed to the majority. And this is really something that has been established in terms of research and other uh, forms where we all know that you, it's very rare where you would find a person of African descent or black descent not having a history of being in the credit bureau, just as an example. Uh, so we need to really work hard. So we integrate the society and uh, ensure that as we do that, we share all, not only the values, but we share also the, the benefits of uh, our contribution as a collective and individuals. So that uh, that makes us much freer
to associate, you know, and affiliate to whatever kind of, uh, if you like, orientation that we want. And sadism is not something really that has to be tolerated because if we have to concede, uh, we know that even during apartheid, uh, uh, black families survived because the mother, the woman in the family was at the center. It is the women who held us together as extended families, whereby a family member was not defined by a surname per se, but by the collectivity of the values that they shared and also uh, access to, uh, you know, uh, resources that they shared and so on. So, yes, we don't need really to academicize uh, uh, racism, uh, but we need to move forward as, as one united people in one country mm. that continually integrate, yes. How do we move forward, uh, Professor Nakedi, when the project of transformation has very much been seen to be one that has regressed and again based on um, racial identities? And, and, and I suppose how do, how do we give even the project of transformation meaning without centering race? Uh, it is something you, you, you referred to agency earlier on, Siskesi. And if the agency is lacking, it is difficult to really uh, implement ethos that are relevant uh, towards the transformation agenda. So what we need to do is to focus on the needs and less on the racial identities. Because if we go according to the needs, we'll understand that as we budget uh, for the municipality, the most needs would be from the historically uh, excluded communities, and they would also need to have infrastructure, you know, so also where they live, there could be some economic activity taking place and so on. And that has got nothing to do with polarizing society and racializing, but it's exactly an, a, a transformation agenda that speaks to the values of non-racialism. So we have more and non-sexism. So we have more inclusivity in the transformation uh, project. Yes. Madwaka, you're in Karieha. Good morning. Good morning. Um, am I audible? Yes, yes. We can hear you loud and clear. Go for it. One thing that we must not um, shy away from is that for many of us, um, the fact that the proponents and the leaders, um, the alumni of UTF, has been uh, presiding over state parasitas and government institutions that has actually crushed active citizenry, that has actually tried to coach and undermine attempts of young people to have active citizenry. Two examples, please must fall, the ANC government and some of them, the uh, uh, past uh, leaders of UTF, have planted spies within the Peace Must Fall movement. The ANC government has been held responsible for the killing of Andres Tatani, a community activist who was fighting for water. So I know, uh, I grew up in the era where there were even songs that say, UTF, Yelo. At some point, when, when some of us were growing up, UTF was really inspiring confidence. But many of them have since become conservative 
it, it's even at some point for some of them it's even difficult to say black people are suffering white people accumulating wealth among themselves and this must be addressed they use codes now one section the majority it's like when you speak about black suffering it's a taboo and you must must uh, you know plant new seeds of a UDF or a, 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 a citizenry that will not codify the pain of black people this is corrupt if you, if you look at it from from a broader perspective because corruption doesn't only talk about money this is the last point doesn't only talk about last uh, money talk about dishonesty a fraudulent conduct you know and UDF and the ANC and all of them when they gathered South, South Africans they were talking about promise of freedom but what has prevented us in Gauteng province is 6,000 jobs where young people will be paid 3,080 rand a month. That is corruption. Political corruption is dishonest because it doesn't lead to freedom, which was promised. All right. So I would like to reverence Sakani for us. They no, no longer inspire any confidence. As elders, we respect them. But politically, really, they don't inspire any political confidence. All right, Matwaka. Let me give Professor Nakedi an, an opportunity to respond to you. You see, uh, Ms. Kersi, uh when you've been uh, subjected to slavery and oppression for many centuries, and you've got this ambitious project of having to reverse that uh, within a very short uh, time, it, it's really challenging. And uh, probably that is why from within quarters of the society, there's so much uh, disenchantment uh, 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 and, you know, uh, people feeling that they are really completely not forming part of the project. However, what what we want to encourage as UDF 40 is that let us go back to what Utata uh, Majwaka uh, is referring to in terms of uh, active citizenry and ensure that we are able to hold ourselves amongst ourselves accountable so that we don't have them and us. We must do away with uh, the line, uh, uh, you know, that are constructed within the society. And that is why here in, in the free state, on, on the yesterday, we mobilized the young people and, and uh, uh, veterans, elders, and community members, really, to go and clean up their own facility at Paradise Hall so they could uh, respect and commemorate the 67 years of sacrifice that uh, uh, Madiba Holisata Mandela gave of his life uh, in a symbolic manner that says, hey, but we can continue doing this and it's not only going to be on Mandela Day, it will be an everyday thing. And that directly puts pressure on, on governance structures at all levels to say, but we can see some community initiative there. So what, 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 what can we do to really uh, support that kind of initiative? What, what really I agree with Ntatema uh, Joaha on, it's about, you see, we cannot encourage young people to just shoot from school and to becoming elders. It doesn't work like that. We all have to go through our faces 
as the youth, you must do what the youth do. As children, do what the children do. As elders, become, you know, uh, uh, inspirational to those who come after us. But uh, we really need to ensure that we, we send a message that is really encouraging the youth to take responsibility and begin in a responsible manner, become reflective on what is happening so they could also become involved. If we are going to become uh, polarized in our approach, it will take us much longer to really impact positively on the development that we want to see. The issue that I, I, I wanted to agree with him, it's, you know, dishonesty is a very serious crime. It's a very serious crime because, and that is part of the problem. We cannot uh, uh, have leaders uh, who, you know, intentionally become dishonest. Mistakes are committed, but if you plan to mislead, then it's a crime against the society. And the responsibility that we must all uh, uh, assume as young people and elders is to begin to understand what does this constitutional democracy mean to us? What does it mean? Because we talk so many things, but very few are understood. If you were to ask a grade 12 learner, uh, what does he understand about the National Development Plan? I'm not too sure what, you know, how many would be able to, to reflect, but when we were growing up, we knew about the Freedom Charter, uh, you know, at standard six, standard five. We could go around with that paper secretly and uh, uh, begin to learn what non-racialism is all about, what non-sexism is all about, and we grew up with these values. So we can't go to the graves with these values. We need to really make sure that as we have other challenges that we complain about and we lament here and there, we do not lose the values of, of Boto and Ubuntu principles. All yes. right. Professor Brian Nagedi, unfortunately, we're completely out of time for this conversation. I'm going to have to disappoint all of our callers that also uh, were looking to were looking forward to the opportunity of being able uh, to engage you on this matter. Uh, Professor Nagedi, coordinator of the Free State Chapter of the UDF 40th celebrations, and earlier we also heard from uh, Reverend Frank Chikani. It's now 11 o'clock. Time for the latest news.